Are you ready for the nation's first and only free 24-hour network dedicated to you, the betting and fantasy sports enthusiast? SportsGrid will provide you with real-time content, statistics, and gaming intelligence unlike anything you've ever seen before. Located both in the heart of New York City and inside the FanDuel Sportsbook at the Meadowlands, SportsGrid is live 18 hours a day, here to serve you, the fanatic. This is SportsGrid. Get on the grid. Good morning. Welcome to Fantasy Sports Today. It's July 4th weekend, and it's great to see everyone out there watching here on SportsGrid and SportsGrid.com. Craig Mish, Joe Pizzapia here with you for the next two hours. we got NASCAR coming up, discussion with Matt Sells a little bit later on the show. Gray Albright will join us as well. Joe, it's a holiday weekend, and uh, certainly it's uh, been an interesting holiday upcoming here for July 4th, one that in South Florida will unfortunately not include fireworks, but maybe we can stir some up today. Uh, I think you're fooling yourself if a Florida man is not getting a hold of fireworks and setting them off somewhere in your local area, Craig. Let's let's call it like it is. That would be impossible to think about. There, there's enough. some Florida man, some crazy guy who has uh, acquired an enormous amount of fireworks and will be setting them off within a, I would say, a two-mile radius of your home. But yes, the formal things are canceled. However, uh, you do have Hamilton this weekend. Uh, I, really? I encourage everybody out there, get yourself a little history lesson and some entertainment at the same time. Uh, I say go have a small barbecue, obviously, if you're in a position with some close family and you could do that. And uh, let's let's remember our independence. Let's remember our rebel spirit here, America. We're rebels together. Let's all be rebels together for one more day and have a little fun. Remember that we're all Americans here. This is a good opportunity for us all to take a deep breath. 2020 has been a long year. We're yeah. halfway through it, folks. Let's take a breath and let's look for the next six months to hopefully be better, not worse. Fingers crossed, Greg Mish. Fingers crossed. And Hopefully. happy birthday to little Mish, too. I know he's got yeah, a birthday. My son up. Hayes turning four uh, on uh, on Saturday. So we'll have a birthday on July 4th. Looking forward to that as well. Uh, looking forward to the baseball season. Fantasy baseball season, I don't even know at this point. Some crazy, <laughs> crazy things are happening with this baseball season, even beyond what I could have possibly imagined, which was basically the deal with Major League Baseball, at least to this point is players are you know, certainly going to test positive for COVID. We understand that, and everybody knows that as well. And some players are even asymptomatic, meaning that they're not feeling anything from it. Right. But what Major League Baseball has decided is that there is a, a list of players that will go on a COVID list. Essentially, it is an injured list. But you won't know that they have it. Well, yeah, you kind of do. Because <laughs> yesterday, the Philadelphia Phillies uh, placed two players of fantasy node and reality node. Blue Jays did some as well, but uh, Philadelphia in particular placed two players on the COVID list, but they're not calling it that. Uh, Scott Kingery, the super utility infielder and probably now was going to be the full-time third baseman yeah. uh, for the Phillies and their potential closer in Hector Neris. So another blow some, to the Philly bullpen that couldn't handle another blow to the bullpen, right? Yeah, yeah but, but, this, but this I think speaks more to the difficult dynamic that it will be to play the game of fantasy baseball this year. And I, I don't want to say that yesterday was sort of the nail in the coffin for me, because I do still feel like I'll play something. But anybody that thinks that there's any sort of strategy going into this year that they can get an advantage on and win a league, I mean, you better understand that this is for fun or nothing. Because, Joe, at this stage... I, I mean, the most nonsensical thing would be to say that to take Scott Kingery in a fantasy draft and say, well, it was a good thing that he got it back early on in July, because that is just nonsense. No one has a clue, if he even has it, by the way, but no one even has a clue as to what would potentially come from this. <laughs> I, I think that anybody that tests positive or anybody that's on this COVID list, Joe, I'm not taking it all in a fantasy draft. I mean, I'm not I'm not talking about at all in any round. I, uh, I wait, wait, it. what about Max Scherzer? Uh, I mean, Max. Uh, not, I knew Max I'm not going to get it. Right. Don't say Max. I know, but if Max Scherzer did it, Craig Mitch would be like, hey, I'll still yeah, take it. will be fine. He'll be fine. I like him that much. Scott Kingery is dead to me. But I Max love Scott Scherzer. Kingery, too, but I'll it's like, Max what round is Scott Kingery takeable now? Well, late, but it was kind of late anyway, so I think that's the whole Later. point. Yes, he's on the 19-day IL. 
That's what he's on. Like, honestly, I wish they would. Not give me a radio show, television or show or podcast with somebody saying, I feel like I got really good value by getting Hector Neris because he was on the COVID list. Please do not tell me that. Because when this, when I, one of no, these dudes gets really never... sick and it's really serious, you're going to no. look like an idiot. Please. Well, nobody knows the long-term repercussions, too. A lot of people have said they've struggled after. Like, they've gotten better, but they're still having some respiratory issues and things like that. And you don't know how that affects guys, especially a pitcher, right? I know it's only a bullpen guy. It's not a nine-inning pitcher. But still, look, there, there's a lot of unknown, and I think that's what you're touching on. And I think you're absolutely right about it. And I promise you, I will not be that guy saying, look at the COVID discount I got on this guy. It's unbelievable. I'm not going to be that guy ever. I promise you, it's never going to happen. And, and the other thing, too, is maybe there's no easy answer because of the HIPAA rules and, and the medical uh, evaluations of people. And they can't come out specifically and say that a player has it. But there has got to be a better way. than I told say. you. This guy, I, this guy I has undisclosed that. issues. He has undisclosed. Well, look, I think you have undisclosed issues. God knows I have undisclosed there, issues. There, I'm on it too. Yeah, like, but, but I think they should just call it the 19 day IL. And then everybody knows he's got to stay on there for 19 days. Huh? Huh? And then you know exactly what's going on. And we can't say what's going on, but I think you kind of get the gist of what's happening there. I think that's what it is. Look, it, it is absolutely going to be a crapshoot. It's going to be fun to watch as a baseball fan. Like, there's a part of me that is more excited for this wacky 60 games than trudging along through 162, only to be disappointed, in, you know, like, usually around this time every year as a Mets fan of going, okay, we really don't have a shot at it. But there's right. something kind of alive about this baseball season where at any moment there could be a massive swing for a team if something goes right, something goes wrong. And, and I got to tell you, like, in a weird way, I am really excited about this, and maybe it's also I'm excited because I'm so just depraved and starved for any kind of sports. That's probably the reason. That's probably part of it, too. But you know what? Screw it. I'm excited about it. Let's be excited about it. But in terms of fantasy, I told you, Craig, I have shifted my focus big time to DFS. We're playing out our league for fun. It's just going to run. The winner gets the bobblehead. That's it. The expert leagues have already told us. And I you know in a way... I think that was probably the right call at the end of just throwing your hands up and saying, it doesn't matter anyway, so why are we trying to get everybody together for another redraft? I thought from a PR standpoint they should do it because it could get some more eyeballs on, on people talking about fantasy baseball. That was my big caveat. Uh, I thought that was a good idea, but everybody just decided to kind of throw their hands up and say, eh, well, it's out of our hands anyway, screw it. So, look, it is a lost season for fantasy baseball, but not for DFS. For DFS, it is not lost. And I am excited. Oh, of course, because on a day-to-day -day basis, you'll know who's playing more or less. Oh, and now you got the DH in the National League, too. Like, you got more bats out. Like, this is going to be a whole new landscape. So maybe DFS. we'll just switch over and do that instead. Uh, that's what I'm doing. <laughs> I've already moved. No, we may we may have to. I mean, by the time we come back on the air on Monday, I have a feeling that you're going to be shocked with names that are going to be out there on this list. And it's going to be uh, I mean, it's not going to be bad. I mean, it's going well, to be the good news is NBA. that you do have um, you do have NBA reported. I, I think yesterday they had 25 players or, or something. You're going to get guys who are positive. Of course but you're, also, you're doing all this now in hopes that you can flatten the curve before they come back and they the have bubble. no bubble like the like in the nba so the bubble boy see yeah. everything goes back to seinfeld eventually it does uh before we get back to the nba and there's some news on there too uh jose quintana i don't know what more we could possibly add to this but jose quintana who of course is a florida man lives in south florida uh injured himself uh doing the dishes joe why is Jose Quintana got to do his uh, his own dishes? Because um, his wife makes them. I, I mean, know. I do I do the dishes sometimes. <laughs> I do too, the dishes. But, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I mean, I, I guess. Well, here's the question: Did he injure himself? Like, cut his hand doing the dishes? His, because his left finger. Right. Yeah. So I think that's you know that's something we've all been there at some point. You know, like the sponge slips and you yeah, cut yourself, true. and you know, like that can happen to any of us. But uh, I don't. I don't think for, Jose he won't throw for two weeks. So any fantasy idea for him is done. Jose Quintana. Is a man of the people. He's a salt of the earth. He does his own dishes. He cooks his own meals. He All right. And, he, and now he's missing a couple weeks. <laughs> so there you go. He's, he's not going to be available for this team, I don't know. Oh, uh, well. I, we'll keep you, you can... updated on Jose Quintana. But uh, yeah, <laughs> I mean. Growing rage at the top of the show is fantastic. You can see it started off like, hey, everybody, it's Sly Forth. And by the end of the first segment, he's already like. I, I, I got <laughs> to say, like, I was so excited for this fantasy baseball season. And now, like, I don't know what to tell my my owners in the league. Like, I'm not sure. 
I, the only scenario that I could do right now is consider doing the draft the day of or night before the season is the only way that I'll do it. I will not do it a week before. I, I, I don't want to put pressure on somebody to take a player and, and then the guy's out. Like, and, and I understand there's injuries, but this is... You know what you should do, Greg? You're, you're you basically after the season. Why don't you guys have a draft after the season's we over? We probably should. And then you and then you could just add up all the stats and go, oh, look, you won the draft. Congratulations. I, I would call 2020 fantasy baseball self-inflicted. If you choose to do it, you're hurting yourself. Seriously. <laughs> like, that's like, like and, and I make my livelihood off fantasy baseball, but I got to keep it real. All right. Uh, the NBA. This is really interesting because it could, this could mean good news for baseball players that are not on the in the 60-man pool. I know there's a lot of players that were left off it, a lot of minor league players that still want to play, so maybe there is hope because the NBA, according to Adrian Wojnarowski yesterday, he reported uh, that they're closing in on a non-playoff bubble, which essentially would mean uh, about eight teams that didn't make the playoffs, they would get to go to Chicago and play you know, some exhibition games and just continue their development. Now, I guess, Joe, this is the one thing that we should estimate is that Vince Carter will now come out of retirement to play in the uh, non-playoff bubble, right? Like, that's only natural, right? And he'll pick another team outside of the Hawks, right? Probably, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I want I my own bubble. Can I get my own? Like, this bubble thing seems where bubble. it's at. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I kind of feel like I'm in it here every day. <laughs> like, this is, this is our bubble. Is this our bubble? Is this our safe space? It's kind of sad. Like, uh, it might I mean, be. it's safe until the show airs live, yeah. I uh, guess. Mm, that is true. Which is, you know, it's... Uh, that's that's around the corner, my friend. I'm looking forward to that. I, I'm sure you are as well. But look, I, I think the NBA, everybody, MLB, NBA, NFL, NHL, all the letters, everybody's trying to do everything they can to be as proactive as possible. Uh, we're all, at the end of the day, just chasing a ghost, though. Like, we're all trying to figure out, and, and, and you're not going to have the answers. And it's going to be a little luck and a whole lot of um, whoever has the best plan and whoever has the players that are going to adhere to that plan too. Sure. Cause that was some other thing too. When you start to see some pictures on social media of guys who are out and about and they are not supposed to be out and about, that's where you start to get really frustrated. It's like, Hey, look, we've worked so hard to make all this work. You can't, you can't go blowing it by going out to some bar on the beach Agreed. somewhere. Yeah. That's, that's where it all blows up for me. And I think you kind of hit the nail on the head. Like that happened and it came out and then there was like a, a conversation about it. But I think fines and things are going to have to happen. And I know that's a terrible thing to do, but we're talking about the greater good of the game right now. You have to be tough. Sorry. By the way, uh, for those of you who follow me for Marlins stuff, I know there's some a group of you probably that do. Um, I'll be going to uh, Marlins Park later today. And so for the weekend edition of the show, uh, I'll be able to give you my full experience as to what it was like being back in a major league park, sort of like historical to a degree. I think the first game of the year will be more historical than these first few practices but uh, there's very few people being allowed to actually cover these things and be there uh, for you in person. So I'll be there on behalf of Sports Grid, and on the weekend edition of the show, I'll tell you exactly uh, what happened with my uh, first day back covering baseball. Uh, coming up next is time for this day in fantasy sports birthdays and this day in history. We're going to take a look at some young players in baseball and see if they can kind of get to that next level from a hitting perspective and pitching perspective. Some odds on FanDuel as well. Joe and I will be right back. You're on Fantasy Sports Today's Friday edition. Stay right there. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back. It's time for this day in fantasy sports history and our fantasy sports birthdays for July the 3rd, 2020. Uh, unfortunately, not a big uh, July 4th holiday to celebrate tomorrow, Joe. But nonetheless, we do have some birthdays to celebrate tomorrow, including my son's birthday. So looking forward to having that. we got a big plan set together. But before we get to the 4th, we got to take care of the 3rd and take care of everybody's birthday today. That's right. And happy birthday to little Mish. As well, I'm sure it'll be a good one for him. So uh, hopefully, uh, look, you'll get He's the uh, you get the fun little uh, you get like the drive-by thing where everybody waves and drops off presents. You guys doing that thing because that's very popular yeah, up yeah, here. Yeah, we actually have a pretty good plan. I mean, with the amount of cases going up in Florida, I mean, I feel like this is like the last day we're ever going to be able to leave the house for another month. But um, tomorrow, our plan is to uh, go. Well, you got the Zoom thing, right? 
We do have the Zoom. We right. also have a family uh, golf little outing that we're going to take. Oh, we're going to do a little awesome. putting, you know, re- you know, drive and do a little putting contest. And then, yes, he has a uh, Zoom party. And, you know, I'm sure that, you know, a couple of family members will come over and go to the backyard, maybe swimming a little bit. And nice. Something like my, that. My yeah. daughter's friend, uh, his parents had a little, you know, fun, you know, drive-by, drop-off gift, happy birthday thing. And, you That's know, you feel bad for the kids. It's it's the fun thing to do. Uh, but they actually did something I haven't seen yet, which is he stood there in his bathing suit. And everybody who drove by had super soakers. And everybody got to spray him. That's what he thought was good for. I was like, yeah, I love this kid. <laughs> this kid's got the right idea, man. He's out there. It's hot. He's having fun. He's getting presents. You get to go there and squirt him with a water gun on the way out. So uh, that was that was definitely one of the uh, sillier and more fun uh, ideas that I've seen out there. And it's amazing. Like people, the parents have gotten super creative with some of these things, man. Like this is a fun one. That was so far of all the ones we've done. Number one in Joe Pizzapia's book. I like that one. All right. Well, let's get started. This day in fantasy sports history for July the 3rd, 1968. Louis Tian, one of the great pitchers of our time, breaks the Major League Baseball record for strikeouts in one game with 19. Of course, this has been broken now several times. Kerry Wood, uh, Max Scherzer, if I'm not mistaken, and then first uh, of all, Roger Clemens did it before those two. So, uh, look, at the time, Tian was a massive strikeout guy, especially at the beginning of his career, and then became more of a game manager toward the end. But I don't think a lot of people knew who had the strikeout record before Clemens, Joe. It was Louis Tian. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things I think you have to be a real baseball fan to really get that or a big Red Sox fan to know that little piece of trivia. Uh, I think of Louis Tiant as a really important figure in Red Sox lore. Certainly one of the most colorful pitchers, too. The wind-up, the mustache, the whole thing, man. He was really fun to watch. And, uh, you know, you go back and look at the stats. I think you can make a case for him on that bubble of Hall of Fame. But I'm curious, for you, do you think his numbers warrant that sort of consideration? Or is he just more I of a historic Red Sox than a historic player? I do. And he has a great backstory coming from Cuba. And it was a good documentary with him um, going back to visit his hometown. I definitely think that he should be considered for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I think I, he's, and he's one of the very, And he was one of... Uh, the very few uh, Red Sox to the Yankees guy before that was a thing, you know, like it didn't, it, it doesn't matter as much now. Right. Um, you know, you have a Damon and Ellsbury and those, but when Tion left Boston and he went to New York, I mean, that was, it was interesting to see that he did that. I imagine as, as the veterans committees end up with more Latin players, that I think you're going to see Louis Tiant in the Hall of Fame. Because I think a lot of them will look back and say, hey, look, you know, in terms of the the lineage of Latin baseball, which is really nice a little alliteration there, uh, I think that you could really make a case for Tiant's importance there uh, in that line of players. And I think at some point they will be recognized. And I, and I hope, again, uh, let's not wait for these folks who can't get up there to actually make a speech. Can we please do this when folks are alive and well and we can have someone up there for the speech? Please, for the love of God, I can't stand when the MMB Hall of Fame falls behind like that. It's the worst. 1983, Johnny Mack. John McEnroe wins Wimbledon over Chris Lewis. Of course, McEnroe won several of these, but uh, he was one of them in 1983. It is Wimbledon time this weekend. Uh, 2006, one of the greatest hockey players of our generation, Steve Eiserman. Mm. Former great Detroit Red Wing retired from the NHL on this day in 2006. Also, Serena Williams, the first of her two back-to-back Wimbledon titles, 2009 and 2010. And then in 2013, we saw arguably the best first month ever from any rookie in Major League Baseball. As Yasiel Puig's first month, he ended up winning Rookie of the Month. Now, certainly Mark McGuire um, and Pete Alonso and, and Jordan Alvarez. I mean, we, we've seen some unbelievable performances from rookies, but I feel like Puig mania was something that we had never seen before <laughs> from any player in years. And mm-hmm. it was just everybody wanted to see every at-bat. He was hitting home runs every single night. And, and look, Trevor Story, in the end, may have put up better numbers than Puig, but Puig captured everybody's attention that year. He was just a monster. Another incredible Cuban story, too. Uh, talk about, like, being on an island waiting for someone to pick him up for a few days. Like, what, what a crazy story that is. And uh, look, you know, it's it's funny because we talk about Puig, and I, I don't know if he's reached his full potential, but like Tiant, uh, like El Duque, some of these Cuban players that have come to baseball, baseball is so much richer for them being there because they are such characters and they're so different and and their style and the swagger and the way they play the game is really high-end entertainment. And yes, they play it at a very high level too for the most part, the Jose Abreu's of the world. There's a good chunk of them. Cespedes for a few years was incredible, but Cespedes is another great example too. They have a certain flair and a certain style 
And I like that in my baseball. Like, I, I enjoy that. I think it's fun. I think it's entertaining. And look, sports is entertainment. And I love how the Cuban player, you know, ha, you know, takes baseball to that other level of almost performance art. And there's something really cool about that. And I would love to see more of that in the game. I think it gets a little too vanilla sometimes, a little boring. I want to see bat flips. I want to see swagger. I want to see guys out there like Tim Anderson having some fun. I like all that stuff, Craig. I know the old school people all frown upon it. They get all grumpy, but man, let's have some fun here. You know, if I want a guy hitting a home run, don't give up a home run against him. And then, you know, stop crying about it. What do you think? Yeah, no, I, I agree. I don't know that Puig is a great example of that just because he became so full of himself. Um, and, and who he was that he basically wore his welcome out and out of he the Dodgers and out of the league. Um, he is also one of the most charitable players in the big leagues. He runs the wild horse foundation and does phenomenal things for that. Uh, but you know, teams in general don't want to take them on, you know, and, uh, and you know, it was three months ago that I tweeted out that it wouldn't surprise me if he didn't play at all the season, people were coming at me like I was nuts. And here we are. I mean, I, don't, mm-hmm. I, mean, I, I don't know that we'll see him play an inning this year, but uh, I think that decision is probably up to him at this point because no one is going to give that guy what he thinks he's going to get. So, <laughs> I mean, if, I, mean I, I don't. Would would a team pay, uh, pay Puig a million dollars, Joe, for sixty games at this point? Uh, you know what? He if was asking the, for fifteen for a whole season. You know, I'll he, tell you what. If you're the Padres, I think you'd pay him two or three because I think he is a difference maker on that team specifically. You know, a guy you want to lengthen that lineup a little bit, a guy with some power and some protection. I don't know, man. Like, I think there's one or two teams out there. I don't think anyone's going to pay that. Probably not. You're probably right. But if I had to pick one, the Padres would be my yeah, guess. I mean, I think the Giants, if, if they could get him for nothing and play him and trade him and get something, I mean, that's the only scenario I see. Um, you know, it would be a bad team that could just use him to get something back. And then that, by the way, that team would have to want him, too. Like, it's, mm-hmm. it's not an e- And one of the teams is the Dodgers, you know, so that's going to be looking for players. So it's not an easy dynamic with Puig. I hope he ends up playing again because it certainly hasn't gone well for him. Um, since he left LA, he was okay with Cleveland and Cincinnati was a lot of fun, but the numbers are, you know, not even a one war player at this stage of his career. Uh, this day in fantasy sports birthdays for July the 3rd, 1965, Greg Vaughn once upon a time was mm-hmm. one of the, uh, biggest home run hitters in the game. Uh, Moises Alou born in 1966, a very underrated player, um, with the Houston Astros won a world series with the Marlins, the Cubs, and, uh, and the Pirates, too. Started off with the Pirates. People don't remember that as well. Uh, 1966, the great Neil O'Donnell. Wow, what a great quarterback, Neil O'Donnell. Well, maybe not so much. Ended up with the Jets. I think he ended up with the Jets at some point. If I'm he not did. Right. He yeah. did. Most people do. At some point in time, everybody takes their turn with the Jets. Like, it just, you Was know. Was he a the, Super Bowl winning quarterback, Neil O'Donnell? Winning, no. Got there, yes. He was part of that group that lost to the Cowboys with Cordell Stewart. Remember Slash? That was the Slash era. Gotcha. where Cordell was uh, kind of part of that whole thing there. But Neil O'Donnell played in a, a couple of playoff games for the Pittsburgh Steelers. I thought he was pretty good. He was pretty good. He was a quarterback you could win with, without a doubt. His name I haven't thought of in a long time. By the time he got to the Jets, it's uh, it wasn't quite as good. But Moises Alou, man, before we go to the next people here, can we just pause and bask in the glory of Moises Alou? Because that is one of the finest Major League Baseball players you'll ever see. I mean, this guy did everything well. I, I just loved watching this guy play. I always felt confident as a, as a Mets fan or just as a, as a fantasy asset, always watching him, thinking that everything's going to be fine. Moises Alou is just like, uh, he's going to get a hit here. He's going to drive in a run here. Like, I had such a high level of confidence in Moises Alou's capabilities as a baseball player. And I don't know what, like if it's just like the lineage thing or whatever that is, but there's something about those kind of guys. There's certain guys, Alou is one of them that for some reason you just always felt like, well, yeah, whatever he needs to do here, he's going to get the job done. Also, side note, one of the most gruesome injuries ever. Do you remember that slide in the second there? Yeah, with his, the whole year. Yeah. Uh, with the ankle hanging like this. Not not good. Not good. Listen, in the end, how many players in Major League Baseball history that have over 2,100 hits, have over 300 home runs, and have a lifetime batting average over 300 and are not in the Hall of Fame? I mean, that's what this I, guy I got to be honest with you. Like, if, if you gave me there, there's a list of players for me that I have grievances about, maybe we should do an airing of the grievances one day, maybe the Festivus episode. And one of them is looking at players again in that era and taking a good hard look at guys like Moises Alou too, and saying, okay, look, look how good of an all round player he was. You know, can we stop basing the, the hall of fame on how many home runs you hit because you play the field, for but I've told you what the trend is with some of these guys. You no, know, I know, but like at a certain point, why we is Moises Alou to get this no attention? Is, 
but but Craig, we have to make an adjustment here because this is the new game. And no, I know, but future. people don't look at the numbers. They, right. What happens is he doesn't have a club I that know. rallies behind him to push him We're in. We're the club. We're the club. This is it. You and me. We're going to start the club. You know how many teams Moises Alou played on? Uh, a lot. Seven, I think. And maybe. <laughs> I don't think I named them all. My, the Marlins. Montreal, the Marlins. The Expos. Mets. The Giants. The yeah. Cubs. So we're up Mets. to seven. <laughs> Look, and, man. And who do you associate him with? Look, we have a platform here. We got to start changing the mindset here. And maybe you and I can get this done. But Moises Alou, let's get it done. All right, let's end it up here with our last couple of birthdays. Edinson Volquez, 1983, once upon a time, uh, pitched a no-hitter for mm. the Marlins on a bad ankle and said that that was the reason why he pitched the no-hitter, because he couldn't move his ankle. Just telling you what he said. 1997, <laughs> TJ Hawkinson, a former great uh, tight end at Iowa and now a who-knows-what tight end or the Detroit Lions. We'll have to see with the upcoming season. So that is our This Day in Fantasy Sports and This Day in Fantasy Sports birthdays. Let me set you up for the rest of our show. If you're watching live, we're going to take care of uh, some baseball win totals coming up next. Rockies and Tigers are on deck, so we'll discuss those teams. Plus, a little bit later in the show, Matt Sells will join us. A very big NASCAR race coming up this weekend. Gray Albright will also weigh in on uh, on more of the fantasy aspect of the 2018 baseball season. So don't go anywhere. More Sports Grid is coming up next right here on Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Mish along with Joe Pizzapia. Make sure you follow us on Twitter, at Craig Mish, at Joe Pizzapia 17 and at Sports Grid. And our website is sportsgrid.com. Tells you what's on the air 24 hours a day, seven days a week on your home for Scott Farrell. We'll be back right after this. Sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. This is Sportsgrid. And welcome back, Fantasy Sports Today. Craig and Joe here with you as I get ready to head out to the Miami Marlins' first practice uh, later today, this afternoon, at Marlins Park. Really not sure what to expect, Joe, but uh, today's the day. So It's getting real, Craig. It's getting real. That, that must be crazy. You got the goosebumps. You got the right masks. You got everything going for you. Got the right masks. That's right. for sure. Good. Excellent. Of, Take care of, of yourself. And regulations. Well, and rightfully so. Yeah, absolutely. I I'm mean, come on. Here you go. All right. Now we're cooking. All right. So uh, baseball win totals. We're moving on today. We're going to start off with two teams that are actually projected to finish below 500, probably for good reason, too. We'll start off with the Colorado Rockies, and these are courtesy of the FanDuel Sportsbook, which you can find online. Uh, their number is 27 and a half wins in the 60-game season, so the projection is slightly below 500, and that's uh, minus 104. And on the under, 27 and a half is minus 118. So those are the odds for the Rockies, and. Joe, when you look at the Rockies, this is just kind of a lost season, I think, for them. I, I don't, I don't really know which way that they're headed. They, I think, are going to have to make some massive changes after the season, and they're not going to be easy because the idea of, of giving anybody $300 million in a contract moving forward right now is difficult. I mean, I guess Mookie Betts may get that, but some team some team is going to really want Arenado in the offseason. The Rockies are probably just going to have to give him away, and Charlie Blackman also has a big long-term contract. They've overpaid on Wade Davis, and they overpaid on relievers like mm-hmm. Mike Dunn. And I don't know, is it time to blow it up? Is this the year they decide to blow it up at the deadline? That certainly could happen. I just, this is just not a team that's going in the right direction, I don't think. So it's really hard to side with an over here. I think it's a team that doesn't know what direction it wants to go in anyway. Even if they trade these players, you look at what they've got already. 
it's very strange. I mean, you have Trevor Story, who is a, a franchise-type player, sure. but uh, they're up against it trying to move the Blackman Arenado contracts right now because of the short season. How much do people want to give up for these players? Is it a good investment just to have them for a playoff run? Can you do it sooner than later? Uh, and if you're the Rockies, I think the answer is yes, please, as long as you can get something back, whether it's the salary relief for the player or however that is. In a way, the DH scenario here for the Rockies works out a little bit better here for that terrible Daniel Murphy contract because this is a player that should have been in DH three years ago. And unfortunately, how how they decided, they said, you know what? we got a bunch of guys like Ryan McMahon and Garrett Hampson, all these guys who kind of can play second, first base in that thing. I know, let's go sign Daniel Murphy, who can't really move anymore, but he's a good hitter. And, and let's plug him in there and make sure we kind of put a you know a, the kibosh on these other guys coming through the system. It was so bizarre to me, that signing. It just made no sense whatsoever. They have a little bit of an out now that he's the DH, I would imagine they're going to try to get him to the DH because that would be the smartest thing to do. But you're right. This is a very strange team here. The pitching is always going to be an issue. And you mentioned about overpaying guys like Wade Davis. Unfortunately, in Colorado, you have to overpay anybody pretty much to go there because it's kind of, I don't want to say a death sentence, but let's say it's a death sentence. And it's very difficult to field a winning team. They've done it twice in their history. The first time, I think, is the best possibility. It's just you go for a lineup and you just pound other teams into submission with offense. I think that's the best way to go. And this is kind of a big meta question, Craig. You've watched a lot of baseball in your life. Do you think it is possible for a team to have long-term success in Colorado and be like a team that can compete two or three years for a championship? Because I am very skeptical that you can build that. Well, they have done it. So why can't have they, they for two or three years where they were really like a legitimate contender or the one year off year where Matt Holiday carries them and he has a great year? They had a couple. They had a couple of years. They went to the World Series. They so did I, one year, right? Once. And and they got back to the National League Championship the following year. I don't know, man. I just it's very difficult. It's very difficult there because I mean, how, what's what is in your opinion? Like, do you invest in the young pitching? Do you not invest in the young pitching? I mean, do you build said it on bullpen? Many years they have to find pitchers that know how to that that can throw and know how to throw at altitude, and that hasn't worked. No, I'm not. I'm not sure that there is an answer for that, but they're they're just in a very strange spot. First of all, yes, it's good that they can play Daniel Murphy at DH. There's 14 other teams that are going to have a better option at DH than the Rockies. You're right. That are going to play against them. So that's number one. Um, Ian Desmond aside, you know, certainly a, a great clubhouse guy, but, you know, in terms of on the field, his better decline, days are behind. In decline, sure. sure. But what is really maddening for the Rockies, and it transcends to fantasy because we've discussed it a lot, there has got to be a 60-day commitment to see the kids on their team play. I don't understand all of this nonsense that they've gone through. They bring in Mark Reynolds and all these other guys to You're play right. different positions. Garrett Hampson, Sam Hilliard, Rymel Tapia, Garrett Hampson. Um, I said him already, so that's twice. Oh, well, there's another one, too. How about Brendan Rogers? Brendan Rogers is my number one. I, I was told by people Brendan Rogers is a superstar. Well, waiting. if that's the case, then just unload the contracts and well, rebuild not again. That easy. Joe, who is no, the, no, but I'm, no, no, I, I'm not saying – what I'm saying is, you know, instead of holding out hope for getting the prospects back you want, it's more important than to get the salary relief. I don't know, Joe, that, that anybody would take Arenado for free. I don't know. Uh, it's tough, man. It, they've really put themselves right in now. Play. No one would. No, one I would know. I know. I mean, I guess the, next I don't year, know what, if things are clear, we know we have a season. Yeah. There's fans, and so you don't think a team could smell blood and go after an Arenado and say, no. you know what, man, we can get this and we can do I this. I don't think so. I don't. No. I, I don't think now. You're probably right, but I'm could, just you know. Now remember. The, the Marlins sent uh, the Yankees $50 million with Stanton and still got nothing back. I mean, they got, they, they'll tell you they got Jose Devers and look, and there's a chance he may be good. He's on their 60 man. I don't know. But essentially, they gave him away. I mean, they more or less gave him away. It, it, look, if the Rockies are willing to give a team 30 or 40 million, yeah. Yeah. I mean, they'll be able to move. And that's the only way. I, I don't think that there is another way. Now, all things being equal, no pandemic. Cardinals, yeah, let's make a deal. Oh, I, Rangers, think some, I think Rangers, I think, to me, the Rangers are another one that I, I just think. Excellent, yes, I totally agree. But in that market. How, how, how can you take a, guy, a a $250 million contract with no fans <laughs> and no revenue and say, oh, it's fine? You can't do it, man. You the only, I, and what happens if, if he gets the, hurt? You're right. You, look, everything you're saying is right. I think if the one team that you can make a, a case for taking the risk is the Rangers. Next year, though, not this In for year. a penny, in for a pound with a new ballpark. Like, you need to sell tickets next year in the worst Next year, thing. yes. 
next year. But yes. if you but if you get him now, you have a whole and offseason. He's still under contract and what if forever. you win with him? He's still locked in forever there. Uh, I, I don't I, I think they're stuck and and I don't like the way that they're run. I don't like the fact that these kids are called up and not playing. It just it doesn't sit well with me. This has got to be the year that they play them. It makes no sense. It, it well, just, and now with a DH, Rogers should be playing every day at second base. That's the end of the story. McMahon should be playing every day at first base. That's Preach. the end of the story. Hampson should be playing either the outfield or DH, and that's it. I, I mean, there's no discussion. Why? And then what are they going to do? Sign Puig or something like that? Like, stop with that. <laughs> Play these so, kids. I'm telling you. So they're going to end the up under? doing it. They signed Matt Kim. I, don't get me started, bro. Do you want to go the under here, or you're just staying away from it? Yeah, I, I mean, if I would lean under. I would lean under, but I would stay away. I would lean under. Okay. They're going to get mauled by L.A. and Arizona and, and probably San Diego, so I'll lean under. Um, Detroit, their total is 21 and a half. And uh, there's some feeling that this could go over a little bit. The Tigers are in a rebuild, but they're starting to look very positive on the pitching end. Uh, the under is 21 and a half at minus 102. Um, I could not go over on this one also. I would have to lean under. Some might give no opinions. Some might give leans. I would lean Rockies under. I would lean Tigers under. I, I love their young starting pitching. I think that they are going to have a force of starting pitching in a couple of years. Uh, the players they signed in the offseason, they sent a message to their fan base saying, hey, look, uh, we've had some two brutal years back-to-back. Let's go get Crone. Let's go get Jonathan Scope and show that we have some sort of commitment to keeping a product on the field. Ron Gardenhire told me the same thing in spring training. They're one of the teams that are really hurt by not playing a season because they can't develop their minor league kids. And uh, and I think that, simply put, they get Crone, they get Scope playing well for two weeks. They're going to trade them as fast as they possibly can and then just call up kids to play out the rest of the year. Um, I, I think they're going to go under this. I just I, – I, no, I tend team, to look – I agree. Another team that doesn't look I, – I, have, I have actually have a little bit more confidence in Baltimore than I do in Detroit because Detroit has nothing to play for this year. Like, you, like I, I think that they would just want to just punt this season. I, I well, just, they, I, don't think, I don't think the additions of Scope and Crone and, and that are enough there. And I, I look at that division too – you know, you talk about the Rockies looking up. This team's going to be looking up, too, at everybody. Kansas yeah. City's going to be better, too. I, I, I agree. I, you know what? Yeah. That was the, You literally took the words out of my mouth. I was going to say, and Kansas City's probably better than people realize. Uh, they could still use some more pitching, but in terms of offense, the first four they hitters there are good. Yeah. They have some players there. But to me, uh, I just wanted to put some on here that uh, we're not 500 teams. I definitely think the Rockies are an under. Uh, the longer I think about the weighted schedule, most of the games being in that division, they were going to come out with, uh, man, it just really seems like they are going to have a tough time competing. And the same thing with the Tigers. There's just no incentive for them to start the clock on anybody. So even though like it might get better quicker, it's not going to be good this year. And I think people need to come to that realization. Yeah, they have three young pitchers that I think they will do. all debut in 2021. I think they may have debuted this year late in the season had all things been equal but uh, tigers acquired players to trade and i saw that here in south florida last year with the marlins and that can work i mean the marlins got this kid lewin diaz at first base for sergio romo uh tigers could end up look scope has a couple of good weeks we've seen him hit before Crone oh yeah hey look weeks. those guys can be flipped There's and, no and they get that. a prospect a top 10 prospect for some team just stash him away call him up in 2021 they did the job and so the Tigers are going about it the right way, finally, after a lot of Band-Aids for years. They still have some very big, unsurmountable uh, contracts, like the Miguel Cabrera one, which is very tough. Um, future Hall of Famer, who at this stage is just a DH. But again, it's it's not going to be a pretty year for Detroit. And Speaking of Hall of Famer, they have no pitching either right now. Did you realize that Pujols is basically... Uh, about to surpass Willie Mays on the all-time home run yeah. list this year, and also A Rod in the all-time RBI list. Yeah, that, that's have 700 home runs. I mean, we we gotta like step back and and like assess like Miguel Cabrera, Albert Pujols. I mean, generational talents. Yeah, really but when you start to see the names Willie Mays and Albert Pujols, you go, oh my god! Like we have taken for granted the greatness of those two guys. And uh, I again, these are first ballot Hall of Famers. If you don't vote for Albert Pujols for the Hall of Fame, I'm, I want to shake you and say, what is wrong with you? But you know, there's somebody who's like, well, one time you didn't give me a great quote, so I shan't be voting for him it's ridiculous willie mays he's gonna have more home runs than willie mays and more rbis than, than alex Rodriguez. it's crazy how good of a career yeah, he had. yeah i mean he could pass babe ruth's number i mean it's possible oh. have to play a little bit but <laughs> well look the contract says he's gonna play a little longer <laughs> yeah 
Bonds, I don't think he will, but I but I think he's got a shot to pass uh, to pass Ruth for sure, maybe in yeah. his final year. And then, by the way, after his final year is over, he gets ten more years pay from the Angels' personal services contract. That guy got a great deal from not me. bad, not bad. All right, well, when we come back, we're going to talk some uh, young pitching in fantasy. We'll hit on it next, so don't go away. More sports grade right after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. And welcome back. How many starts will pitchers get in Major League Baseball this year? It is not an easy number to predict. Some say... It could be as many as 12 for some starters. Some say uh, maybe eight. And so maybe we're in the middle. But regardless of that, it's certainly going to be interesting to try and handicap who could win a Cy Young and which pitchers could sort of get to the next level. And there's no shortage of that. And what's interesting is a lot of the players that we're going to talk about today, Joe, have had some sort of adversity or some sort of struggle before they got to this point to put them back on the map again. Yeah, but they've also had some sort of success and some sort of pedigree, which I think is equally important. It's a great point. And uh, every year in the Black Book, uh, Paul Spore and I get together and we have some long discussions about who we want to kind of anoint and who are the guys that we're going to push out there uh, in the book for the following seasons. A couple years ago, it was Max Scherzer. Uh, Paul brought a really cool uh, piece of statistic to me and I brought something to him and we came together and said, hey, let's talk about our guys this year. And we both had giant Garrett Cole things where he went, oh, my God, everything, the stars are aligning here. This is the guy. You think it, I think it. Let's push him to the moon. And that was the year that he broke out there after the trade in Pittsburgh. So there are often guys like Garrett Cole and some of the guys on this list who have a good pedigree but haven't quite reached that level. We forget Max Scherzer was one of those guys, too, once upon a time, where we were kind of waiting for him to, like, be a thing. We could see the talent in Arizona. It's going to be something. We Right, exactly. And there's guys that you know are going to be something. And sometimes – it's a war of attrition and patience, and sometimes you just have to kind of hang in there with certain players. And I think this year, there's going to give us an opportunity to see some of these guys, and there's going to be far less risk with them because we have a limited amount of innings and a limited amount of starts are going to make. But those starts are going to be very important for not only this year's value, but next year's as well in fantasy. And the first guy on this list is Lance McCullers, because when you lose Garrett Cole in a rotation, that is an incredible void. I don't care if you have Justin Verlander. I know he's an all-time great Hall of Famer, Cy Young. I get it. But you lose Garrett Cole, you lose the best pitcher in baseball right now. And yes, they have Zach Greinke too. So they really need Lance McCullers to step up in this void. Now, if you go back to 2018, the last time that he pitched, obviously last year he missed the entire season. He had 128 innings there, threw for 142 strikeouts there. Uh, We know the whip is really good, 1.17. This is a guy that you always know with McCullers, he's tough to square up. Sometimes the control can be an issue, but he's one of these guys with an electric fastball who we're basically waiting to take that next step and be healthy. Now, this year is about being healthy more than anything, and I think if you can get a good 10 starts out of Lance McCullers, it greatly increases his uh, value going into 2021 fantasy leagues. And it's somebody that I think people should be on now in keeper and dynasty leagues trying to acquire on the cheap if they can. Yeah, I think for this year, it's a great point because of the shortened season, but mm-hmm. he has yet to prove Joe that he could yes. ever stay healthy. So um, there's no way that for the future, I would ever predict that, or I would even say that, but for this season, sure. I mean, I, I think that that's a reasonable expectation because He has made 15, 20 starts over the course of a season, but it's just been one injury after the next with him. I'm a big fan of the player. I really like what, uh, how he brings it. I like, you know, sort of who he is, but until this guy makes 25 starts or 26 starts in a big league season, it's just really hard to, to buy in. And the other part with him is that uh, with, with McCullers and look, they're good for now. Okay. Because they have Presley, and they have Osuna, but if the Astros' bullpen would ever not be strong, he's he's done. I mean, this guy does not go deep into games ever. Right. So. Well, he's also so young, we forget. <clears throat> he's only 26 years old, Lance McCullers. And he's already had a few seasons in the big leagues. And that's another thing, too, to remind people. He came up very young. And I think sometimes with those guys, we in our brain – you know, we kind of advance them, but really, 26 is not that old for a pitcher, Craig. No, Usually, no, this is no. But to get win, to get wins in the big leagues, sure, and, and the wins are ridiculous stat. But to get wins, you got to pitch six innings in a game. And, Absolutely, and he's just Efficiency. not th- that guy. The yeah, most but. important thing for him is staying healthy through these 10 starts or so, 
and improving a little bit of that efficiency in terms of that walk rate. He can improve that walk rate just a little bit. The hits per nine are crazy good. The K per nine is crazy good. It's just he's his own worst enemy sometimes. And as long as he can continue to 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 make improvements there, and I think as he matures as a pitcher, 27, 28, 29 years old, I mean, that's when we're getting into the the better years of Lance McCullers. Another guy, too, that we've been waiting for for a long time, also very young, is Julio Urias. Now, this is a guy who's going to be sitting in the four spot in this rotation, okay? He's behind Kershaw, Bueller, David Bryce. There is almost no pressure on this kid, which I love. I love when a young pitcher with a lot of talent does not have the whole rotation on his shoulders because I think that is always a lot mentally to ask of a young pitcher, and they tend to press sometimes, and that's something you don't want them to do in their development. But you look at Urias last year, obviously spent some time in the bullpen, but the strikeout-to-walk ratio is very good. The minor league track record is very good. This was a guy who was pitching, I think, in double-A at 18 years old, right? So you're talking about a guy who was always a year or two ahead in terms of development and that was always the concern is like oh you know where's his arm strength where is this going to be but this year we have a great opportunity to get a good look at Urias with no downside or very little downside and I think this is the perfect scenario for him to just let loose be that guy and not worry about again three four months from now because we only got two months of a season yeah at some point he'll be a star in the big leagues for sure I know he's had some personal things happening too yes um, you know, if he could put that aside, there's there's star written all over this kid for sure. And I think that in uh, this is this is sort of the you know, tail end of Kershaw's probably strength of his career. I could see him mm-hmm. pitching three, four more years for sure if he chose to. Um, I think Urias will step up and either be their ace or be their number two guy. You uh, that's the positive. The other positive is that the counting numbers at the end of the year are also going to be fantastic. I do think you have to wonder how many starts he's going to get, not pitching first, not pitching second, and most likely not pitching third in the rotation. If he's the fourth man through, I mean, how many starts is that equal? Does he get eight starts? I don't know that he does. It may be worth it to grab ratios for 60 games because that's what he's going to give you. But that's sort of the way that I see him for this year. But he's a phenomenal keeper for the future. Well, he's one of these guys that I think you take the quality. Over the quantity, like I think he's capable of giving you enough quality that you'll sacrifice a start or two to get that good of a, a, of a number of whip and ratio. And again, because it is such a tight race, it, everything's going to count. And those guys that go out there and has that blow up starts, man, that's going to set you back. You know, you have a Masahiro Tanaka start where he goes out there, walks five guys and gives up six earned runs in two innings like that sets you back. <laughs> like you can't have a lot of those. Yeah, and, I mean, I mean the other caveat to this, too, and, and it's unlikely in a short season. But if L.A. does win 50 out of the 60 games or something insane, which is possible, you will not see him pitch the last week, too. You're missing another start there. Um, but but see, again, what, will you not see him? Or, or, or because of the, the, the shortened season, you want to just keep everybody fresh and maybe you won't see him for six you know, innings. You know, but... it's it's hard to assess. But again, in, in the game of fantasy, I look at that stuff. In the game of reality, sure. I don't know how they're going to do it. But remember, they've used him out of the bullpen before. So they I, have. I'm they not, have. I, I'm I, not I, sure. But look, there's no question. Uh, if, if, you, if you said to me, hey, look, you can only have one of these pitchers for the next five years or even the next two mm-hmm. years. There's no doubt that I would take Urias over McCullough. And the Dodgers organization always had a good track record of growing pitchers. We know that for sure. Uh, The next guy is a guy that was lights out last year. I I got very lucky, and I'm going to say lucky here, because I picked him up on a bunch of waiver wires, is Brandon Woodruff. Woodruff was the ace of the Brewers last year, and a big reason why they were able to make the playoffs were his starts. And if you go back, you'll get the stats. Again, strikeout-to-walk ratio, terrific, 143-30. to That's what you want out of a guy. Uh, Look, the dude was just absolutely electric last year, and then he had the injury came back pretty strong, but this is an important year to prove that last year was not a fluke. Uh, the next guy on this list for me is Max Freed, who everyone talks about Soroka's year because of the win total. Sure. But you know what, man? I want to go back and I want to talk about Max Freed's secondary stats because to me, the dominant pitcher in this rotation is Max Freed. And this is the guy this year that Paul Sporer and I were very much on. And I think Paul is the best guy when it comes to evaluating pitchers. Him and Nick Pollock, I think, are two of the best in the industry at doing so. And uh, when they speak about a guy, I always perk my ears up and listen. And when you look at Max Freed, you look at those numbers last year, 173 strikeouts, just 47 walks. ERA was a little high. Sometimes, again, he was own worst enemy. Sometimes a little inefficient. Sometimes he got hit a little bit. But in terms of a guy who could put guys away, in terms of good second halves, Max Freed started to show you that. And I think if the Braves are going to repeat as a big-time contender this year, 
Max Freed is going to have to be the guy at the top of that rotation, not necessarily Soroka to do it. What do you think about Freed? Yeah, I, I had, I think, I think I have, I think I have Freed and Labor. I'm not sure. I think I do. <laughs> we got to do I, a segment where we refresh Craig. I don't remember who I have. I, I feel like I either wanted him or I have him. I, I'm not a hundred. I think I have him and Gallon. I covet sure. him. I covet Max Freed. That's who I, I covet. I do think I have him. I did see that you guys were on him uh, before the season, and and so. Yeah, I mean, I, I do feel like there's a next step there. I don't know that he's ever going to be a, a low two ERA guy because he just puts too many guys on base, but he's a high strikeout guy. And it, it's really interesting that he sort of took a few years to come into himself because everyone thought that these were the numbers we'd see three years ago from him, but right. it took a little bit more time. But uh, certainly in, in on him, Woodruff proved last year this guy is going to end up being a horse for them and he'll be their number one starter for sure. Next year he'll throw 200 innings, no doubt about that. He's a good pitcher as well. Um yeah, so among these these that you gave me, McCullers is really the only one that I probably would take a little bit of an exception to. But Urias, Woodruff, Freed, all solid, yeah. Yeah, and there's one more here, and I know we talked a lot about Zach Gallon, so I want to talk about the other guy in the Diamondbacks rotation for a moment, the guy they got for Paul Goldschmidt, and that's Luke Weaver. Again, last year in 2019, he did have the injury, and that's a little scary thing. So 2020 yeah. is about health. So give me as many healthy starts as I can get out of Luke Weaver, and that makes me feel warm and fuzzy going into 2021. If he struggles with the health in the shortened season, oh, man, this is this is like one of those forks in the road with a player, too, where if he doesn't make his eight starts or nine starts, whatever it is, I might be out on him next year, even though the, the talent is tantalizing. And it is. You go back and look at what he did last year, uh, 69 strikeouts, just 14 walks. That's the kind of K to walk ratio you love to see in a pitcher. And he wasn't that pitcher in, in St. Louis. Like, he blossomed moving to Arizona. He did. And I think this is a dude, and maybe, you know, you might be able to speak to this too, that can really benefit along with Gallon from having a guy like Bumgarner in front of them. If Bumgarner is going to be any sort of a potential mentor to some younger pitchers, I can't think of a better guy to, you know, belly up to the bar with, so to speak, and learn about the craft of pitching, especially in big games and big moments, because Mazen Bumgarner is one of the best to ever do that. So do you think that's the positive here as well when you're looking at 2020 in the situation? Yeah, no, I'm not in on Luke Weaver at all. I, I, I am not a huge fan. Um, you, you painted a good picture for him. I, I'm still concerned with the injuries. I'm also concerned um, that a team like the Cardinals and their organization would trade a pitcher such as this. And I understand that they had to get Goldschmidt, but they had their choice of pitchers to trade, and they chose to trade him. Um, listen, can't be in on every player. This is just one sure. that I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not in on. Um, so of the five, Urias is your is your favorite guy? Uh, I would say that uh, for me, it would be Urias, Woodruff, and Freed are all sort of tied. I'd put McCullers okay. next, and Weaver I am not have no interest in at all. I'm with uh, Urias and McCullers. I, I love that Astros team. I just think this is a great spot for him where he's been in the league for, for a this, while. For this year, maybe so. That's a fair point. For this year, maybe so. Yeah, I'm excited but, about um, McCullers. But Reed, <laughs> Reed would be number one for me because I did target him in a league. So yeah. I got to say that. Or at least we think you did. Yeah. <laughs> We're not sure, but I think I did. Yeah, you're right. That's can't be sure. Uh, Freed would be first. Urias would be second. I, I would have Woodruff third, but I would say that he's as solid as it gets also. And then I'd have McCullers fourth of the ones you gave. And then Luke Weaver would be at the end. I just, I, I don't trust it, but all right. Uh, coming up next, it is a fun conversation with our friend, Matt Sells from Fantasy Alarm. It's our number two of our show. So those of you who are watching over at sportsgrid.com on our YouTube channel, make sure you let the playlist play out because we'll be back in just a couple of minutes with some NASCAR discussion, big races going on this weekend. We look at it from a gambling and DFS side. Don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. 